Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. It's finally your birthday, and it's a joyous day. You're another year older, and another friend dead. Your friends are being murdered and slayed one by one in grotesque fashion. The victims were all close friends who were invited to your birthday party. Who's to blame? All eyes are on you. You're the number one suspect. What did you really wish for when you blew out those candles? This is It Records. Welcome back to the It Records podcast. All you creatures of the night. It's me, one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, out from the shadows, and now over the podcast airwaves. Joined with always by the lovely and the charismatic Lindsay Clark. Is here, everybody. Hey. And the always charming, uh, magnanimous Peter Hansen. Ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. Peter Hansen. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it you're one hell of a podcaster and you know just one hell of a man all around really okay <laughs> you take praise so well yeah thank you I'm just giving credit um, where credit's due <laughs> believe it or not I do have a creepy headline get out Would of you town have to hear it yeah. Uh, let's see if I can fit that into the schedule here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> looks like creepy headline. Yeah, we can do it. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know. It's been so long. I don't know when it usually fits into the to the formula. I think it's whenever we feel like it. Yeah. Usually. So this I think so. little short story is called Birthday Surprise. This little short story is called Birthday Surprise. It's by Manga Reader Ninety. So it could be a fake person, but they wrote they wrote this story on this weird website called Wattpad, which I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll go ahead and read it right now. The night before my 19th birthday, my, sti- my sister and I were at home in our large house. Her husband was away on a business trip, and the nephews were at their father's house. It had been a quiet night. My sisters, was reading, my sisters were reading in her room, and I was texting my friends, a little excited for my upcoming birthday. At 11.55pm, my phone rang. It was my boyfriend, calling to be the first to wish me a happy birthday. We started to talk about our days, and he was in the middle of a sentence when the call dropped. I pulled the phone away from my ear and saw that it was midnight. There was still no service when I tried to call him back, so I went downstairs to use the landline. I dialed his number and the call went through right away. Hey baby, sorry my phone cut out. Are you having fun? I almost dropped the phone in terror. It wasn't my boyfriend's sweet voice. It was a deep demonic rumble on the other end. Who is this? I asked shakingly. You know who this is. I sent the phone back on the wall and sprinted to my sister's room. So to fair that I jumped into the bed beside her. When she asked me about what happened, I babbled my expression to my relief. She didn't laugh in my face and said she rubbed her bare arms and shivered. I've had a weird feeling since about midnight, she said in a quiet voice. I nodded. Since the call dropped, I've been feeling tingly, unsettled. We flipped on the TV for background noise and watched for a while. The bathroom light flickered on and off by itself. I was too sleepy to move and too scared to go to my own room. 
so I drifted in and out for an uneasy sleep for a while. About an hour later, the feeling disappeared. I could breathe more easily and felt relieved with no, with no explanation. I called back to my own bed and fell asleep right away. The next morning, the first thing I did was call my boyfriend. He answered with a slightly worried tone, but he told me I'd never call him back. When my sister got the phone bill, there was no record of me sending a call out to his number. I still don't know who I spoke to that night. That is the end. That's weird. It is weird. It's a creepy... So... I want to investigate that. So she's on the phone, and a demonic voice, a demonic rumbling, says Mm -hmm. you know who this is, and then you kind of just leave it. Freaked out, but leave it at that. Did, Did you say she was on the phone with the boyfriend? And then she got the demonic rumbling. So she was she so she got a call from her boyfriend. The mm-hmm. call dropped mm-hmm. and she couldn't she didn't have service, so she used a landline, but she picked up the landline. There was somebody on the line already mm-hmm. and she heard like demonic mumbling God. and that's when they said, You know who this is. That's creepy. Yikes. That's something from the other side communicating with you or someone in the house yeah. on a, on the landline. <laughs> yeah, see, this is something that's Apparently. like, it's very ordinary, but it's creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you like you just, like you just made like a joke about it being like such a staple of like a cliche, but it's just like, who knows what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I would do. If that happened to me, you know. No, I wouldn't sleep easy. That's for sure. I'd want to figure out what the hell that was. (laughs) I would assume that the boyfriend was just playing a joke on her. That's what I would assume right away. Mm -hmm. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like... It's the most logical thing to assume. I mean, I guess. She She was on the landline with him originally. She didn't have a... This was bef- no, she was on her cell phone originally. Oh, maybe. And then use and then use the landline. I mean, that would be the most logical conclusion, is that it was the boyfriend playing a trick or playing a joke. Yeah. We can only hope. And this woman is fine. There's no, no demonic spirit following her. So, <laughs> following her around. But we do know she reads manga. We do. We do know... <laughs> Based on her name. With nothing else to take away from us. <laughs> well, thanks, Pete. You know, I always appreciate a creepy headline. You're always bringing us creepy news. So my introduction was accurate two, two in your description. Two a year, on average. <laughs> <laughs> two a year. One hey. down, one to go. Exactly. We got something to look forward to in 2019. All right, well, this week on the podcast, we did uh, the 1981 Canadian slasher film, Happy Birthday to Me, directed by Jay Lee Thomas, uh, written by John Saxon, as well as, I believe, John Beard was the writer for this one. Someone's having a party for the top ten. 
the senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you are not invited. This is at least the second Canadian film we've done. I'm not aware if we've done another one that's slipping my memory, but it is the second Canadian slasher. Can either of you name the previous one that we did on the podcast? I absolutely uh, can. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No. I'm at a loss. All right. You want me to, you want me to tell you? Pete, give yeah. it your best shot, yeah. It's Black Christmas. It is. I was going to say that, but then I was like, mm-hmm. no, that's not right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I remembered that. But that is correct. That's right. Yeah, another Canadian slasher we've done. Uh, Black Christmas coming about seven years prior to this one. This one came out in 81. This one was around when the slasher craze was kind of taking off and people were piggybacking on the success of Halloween and everybody was trying to get a, a slasher holiday yeah. movie in. Yeah, and it's just like uh, based off like an event kind of, that kind of thing. That was pretty pop- like you, you kind of briefly you said that a little bit. But there was like a whole slew of these like there was like My Bloody Valentine there's like Graduation Day, there's like New Year's Evil, Christmas Evil, mm-hmm. kind of like just like weird. There's even more. April Fool's Day. Even Friday the 13th is... Yeah, Friday the 13th, yeah. you could say. Prom night. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one. And they were all coming out around... Well, 77 was Halloween. And then I think 80 was the first Friday the 13th, and that kind of... That was piggybacking off of Halloween in the first place, the Friday the 13th. Oh, for sure. But contrarily, this came out in 81. Um, This was actually written and started production before the Friday the 13th movies, I believe is what I read. So although it kind of piggybacks them, uh, they they were trying to get on the train and birthdays had not been done yet. Um, Because uh, several of the other holidays that you mentioned, Pete, were taken. So they said, everybody has a birthday, so we'll just do birthdays now. (laughs) Which, just to give you the synopsis for everybody, this is happy, bir- happy, bir- happy birthday to me. Um, if you can't guess it, it revolves around a main character's birthday, which is, it follows the snobby Crawford Academy, uh, Virginia's group of friends. She's our protagonist. Uh, she, uh, her friends start to go missing uh, years after horrible events that happened to her as a child around her birthday. That is a confusing synopsis, but that's what... <laughs> IMDB would have you believe is what happens. I mean, it's a confusing That's the synopsis. It's a confusing movie. It's a confusing movie. Right off of 
but the general idea is just Virginia's our main character. Her 18th birthday is coming up, and her friends start being killed by a person who is wearing black gloves and the school color scarf, a scarf with the school colors on it. Yeah, they really throw you in for a loop for because like black gloves, classic like giallo motif right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then school star- scarf. Everyone's got a school star- scarf. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't even realize that the first time I like watched it because I've seen this movie before. And then I like I just I think I just wasn't paying attention or something. I'm just like, why the fuck do they care about that scarf? Like I I don't get it. (laughs) That killer is wearing it. Um, But everyone's got the same scarf. mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're in high school, and we can kind of go into the plot. Well, there's plenty of production stuff, but I guess they're supposed to be in high school because they talk about going to Harvard, but. They seem yeah. fairly old. I thought they were in college already when this movie started. I mean, this is like classic, like, movie, like, hiring older actors to play high schoolers. It's just, it's happening forever. Mm-hmm. It's still happening now. <laughs> they're clearly, they're clearly like 25 or higher, all of them. Maybe maybe one a few are like actually eighteen or close to eighteen, but most of them are in their upper twenties. I would say. I believe Melissa Sue Anderson, who's Virginia, our lead actress, known for Little House on the Prairie, um, yes. her main role. I think she was like almost like twenty nine when this movie was out, and she's supposed to be turning eighteen uh, in this film. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that old. Which is why. And also, just for reference, she's supposed to be turning 18. Her birthday cake only had 10 candles, I think. So, I was also thrown <laughs> off by that. <laughs> Is she 10? Is she in high school? I don't know. <laughs> 10 years since the accident. Is that it? I don't know. Is it? Oh, okay. I don't know. I just I made that up, honestly. Well, you bring up a good point. There is an accident in this film. So, it's not only the anniversary of a birthday, but there was a traumatic accident with our main character where she got into a car accident. And she needed to have brain surgery. Is, it, is that correct? Did I pick up that on the film accurately? I, th- I think so. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, and, red herrings in this movie. A lot of, like, throw you off, just to throw you off kind of things. They're just like, ooh, look at this suspicious character. I bet he's the killer. No, he's not. He's not the killer. <laughs> Because he's fucking dead now. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, and there is a lot of red herrings. And what I was reading in the production is that wasn't really intended so much as as they were making the film, they didn't really have an ending. They didn't have it written. They were kind of pushing it to like this final scene where, I mean, spoilers, this podcast will be full of it. There's the, the end scene where they're at the, the friends are around the birthday table and she's coming out singing that very creepy happy birthday song. They kind of had that set up, but not so much the ending of how it was all going to be tied together. Right. I think they were kind I, of making I I love the ending well, huh? of this movie because the first time I watched it, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was 100%. so confused. Mm-hmm. I like remember 
I think I watched this by myself the first time, and I immediately, like, called my friend, because he saw this movie, and I was, like, talking to him, and I was like, what's happening? I don't know what's happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was just, like, laughing. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't get what's going on either. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's just great, because it's fucking confusing. Yeah, it kind of plays in that they didn't have an ending to it, is why it's kind of confusing, but I, reading the production, I mean... J.L. Thomas, we mentioned, is the director, did Cape Fear. So you have a director who knows the genre fairly well. He apparently he Wait, the original one? I, the, the one from 1960? I believe so. The original uh, director. This is yeah, 81. The remake, the remake of Cape Fear is Scorsese, I think. It is Scorsese because also De Niro's in it. So that makes sense. Yeah. The original yeah. Um, Cape Fear, and I will double check my facts nope I want the original please uh, I don't want Scorsese 1962 is directed by J. Uh, J. Lee Thomas sorry I kept seeing J.L. J. Lee Thomas and he did this movie the 1962 film nice. and then the writer of this one uh, one of them is John Beard who I mentioned he did My Bloody Valentine around this time period so the writer is familiar with the genre and then you have this director who has experience, um, successful experience critically. Um, but I guess I just tried to rush it into production and kind of get it out. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of didn't feel complete. Which we can kind of talk about the deaths in this movie, which is a part of the slasher genre, is you have brutal deaths. You have some oh yeah, s- exploitation or whatever, but... One of the taglines for this movie is, I think, like the six most bizarre deaths you'll see on in the in film or whatever. Did you guys get that vibe watching the film? And part two, favorite death, favorite death scene. <clears throat> yeah, I, I actually think. think... Were... Oh no, go ahead. I think they were pretty creative. Um, that's all I was gonna say. But take it away, Peter. Um, I think yeah the. I really think they're inventive. The one that really got me was, like, the weightlifting one. That's what I was going to say, too. It's just so gruesome. And it's just, like, you kind of see it, and sometimes I feel like it's more comedic more often than not. I think Matt remembers this one. It's an episode that never aired, but it's Death Spa. Oh, Technically, Death Spa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a very, a very first movie that never made it out to the airwaves. That's about a gym. That's supernatural. Sla- I don't slash know. Spa. I don't really remember. <laughs> slash Spa. And that had like a death by weight lift, but it was like hilarious because this movie's so bad. This movie, it's pretty gruesome. Like it's just like brutal. And pretty much every death, I would say. Oh, yeah. I would say, and I thought that that, uh, weightlifting death was creative because I kind of just thought it would be similar to, you know, what we saw in, I think, like Final Destination 5 or whatever it was, where there's another... Great movie. Where (laughs) where there's another weightlifting death where, you know, a guy's working out and maybe there's too much weight and it falls on him and kills him. Where with this one, it was clearly someone had come in to the room that he knew and they're all like oh hey it's you um 
Yeah. And I love when movies do that. They did that in the uh, sleepaway camp. Yeah. Hey, it's you. Yeah. What are you? What are you? What are you doing here? Yeah. And then they just kill them. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> they had that with a couple of them this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey. two that I can think of for sure. Mm-hmm. And with the weight one, they kept. It was longer than I thought. Like it was. They like helped them put. Yeah, they helped them put on the weights, and I was like, "Oh, where is this going?" And then he, when he lifted it off, he slowly pulled back the, the rack, and then dropped the weight on him so they would drop the the bar. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that was uh, intense. The movie's also longer than you would expect. It's a little long. That's it's, true. It's almost two hours, hour and fifty minutes, I think. I would say it's it mostly works out for its benefit because they're just like, oh, we're just going to throw in more shit in here to confuse you. And I feel like that, honestly, to me, is like the draw of the movie because it's like a whodunit kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. you're just trying to figure out who did it the whole time. And they're just like, we're fucking confusing you because we don't know who did it because we just made it up at the very end. <laughs> yeah, who done it? I think, and this does have a cult following. It wasn't a huge success, but it made like ten point six mil. I think I don't know what the budget was, but um, the movie follows like the top ten is what they call them at this school, which is something that was important. They're like the elites. I would say the popular kids. And I think they're like the top 10 because they're the rich kids as well. Is not because they're popular, but they're also kind of wealthy. And yeah, uh, Virginia's mom or protagonist was also kind of part of that at the high school. And what I kind of thought was going to come down to this was someone is going to take out the rich kids. These are the top 10 and they're going to be off one by one. And it, it 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 kind of it kind of is that, but not so much. Where we don't get an outside perspective, really, of the top ten, like the nerds or the people who aren't as rich. Like, oh, there's the top ten, and they're kind of a suspect. You really just think it's it's someone within the group because we only get that vantage yeah. point. Yeah. Um. So is the because. The kid Alfred, right? Is he in the group or is he not in the group? I I thought they kind of played off like he isn't, but I think he is because he meets him at the bar and is like, right. like "Oh, Alfred, what are you doing here?" But <laughs> he he's always with them like all the time, so I feel like he is part of the top yeah. ten. It was he's a little like ambiguous. The, <laughs> the friend that everyone likes to make fun of, I guess. Yeah, he's the lightning man. I'll buy that. Which I think There's that's what threw me off about their age as well, too. is that they're, they're in a pub. Creepos? Exactly. Yeah, creepos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there's some weird scenes with... Name, was name it, one. Who, name one weird scene in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> with the conversation... Was it... Who's the main actress's... What's her character's name again? Virginia. Uh, Virginia. Virginia, that's right. Like... The conversation she, like, had with her dad and the doctor, it's just, like, why are they so weird? Weird vibes for sure mm-hmm. picked up on those, like, right away. Yeah. With both of them as well. 
Are you talking about uh, Dr. Faraday yeah, yeah. or otherwise known as Superman's yeah, father? Yeah. <laughs> That's he the one. Was he was Jor-El. Mm-hmm. Glenn, Glenn Ford. I didn't know that. But I get... No, wait, no. Wait, what? Glenn... Wasn't Jor-El played by Marlon Brando? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, Superman's father, I believe, is Glenn Ford, which is the Dr. Faraday. I read something. This is another like, Jack Nicholson Little what? Shop of Horrors moment we're having here. But sorry, Lindsay, what were you saying? No, I read something like Glenn Ford was like mad about being in, cast in the movie. Like he was like very unpleasant on set or whatever. And it's like, dude, I'm pretty sure like you didn't have to do this, you know. So I don't know. I think he was just like not really gelling with uh, the whole horror genre. Mm-hmm. But it's just confusing, because it's like, nobody, like, held a gun to your head, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, he's probably, if, if you, I thought he was in Superman, which is like late 70s, he's probably pretty prominent, he can do whatever movie he wants, and like, you don't have to be in this, like, slasher movie. But maybe he thought it'd be big, because like, it was, Halloween had just happened. And, like, that was a huge That's success, true. and they were thinking that maybe this movie could be something similar, and he joined. Hey, Matt, we're both yeah. right. So, Marlon Brando played Jor-El, uh-huh. Superman's biological father, and Glenn Ford played Kent. Pa Kent, yeah. a.k.a. Jonathan Kent, his Earth father. So, we yeah, were yeah. both correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of different fathers for a Superman. Um, but we can get back. You guys mentioned Glenn Ford, who is the doctor, which is a prominent character in the film because she's go. She had like brain surgery and she's recovering from the accident, so she's having like flashbacks. And she's like you know, recovering these repressed memories um, that she's obviously lost. Um, so he's kind of there, I guess, to help her try to remember and get over this trauma of the accident. So things are coming back, like, piece by piece for her. He thinks that possibly her friends aren't the best for her right now if they're making things worse. Because clearly, the accident happened as her and her mother were driving back to their house because those friends did not come to her birthday party when she was much younger. So this is four years before that, I guess, at a... The same school. Was it just four years? Wow. Yeah, it was not even that long. Hmm. Can you guys... I want to talk about the twist ending slash five twist endings. Yes. Okay, um, so we can get into spoilers now? Please, yeah. <laughs> um, because in sequence, what happened, it is so crazy that I want to <laughs> hear someone's step-by-step analysis of... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is what happened. Yeah, because I don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> of what actually happened in the film. So, like, mm-hmm. let's say you're watching it live. You're like, I'm on my couch. Okay, this I'm in front of the TV. This person's the killer. Okay, no, this person's the killer. Okay, no, this person's still alive. No, they're dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I want to hear. In, se- <laughs> in sequential steps. 
um, we kind of get that of like of of big moments. So of that finale. <laughs> so the finale kind of starts when Virginia's father, who we haven't really seen until this point, comes home from his one of his you know lavish business trips because he's very rich, and he sees I guess it's like the guest house or a pool house, like the lights are on. He's looking for Virginia, and he goes there, and what we see is all of the friends who have been murdered by someone positioned around the table, and then we hear creepily Virginia come out with a birthday cake singing Happy Birthday to Me, the title. They said the title on this film. And then she proceeds to kill her father, but then we realize... That the actual Virginia was at the table. And she lifts her head up and is looking at herself. But that... And refers to her as sister. Yeah. It's her sister who is her friend Anne that we know in this movie. Anne was wearing a very realistic latex mask of Virginia. That she could easily peel off. And her motive was that... Virginia's mother slept with her father and had her, i.e. Anne and Virginia, are half-sisters. And that made her very mad. So she went on a spree to kill all her friends as well as Virginia. But then Virginia kills Anne in a scuffle. Then the police show (laughs) up. And they're like, what did you do? What have you done? What have you done? Yeah. Also, there's usually that final girl element, which I guess there was, but it kind of leaves you questioning, you know, did she really survive or like, because it kind of makes you think that she's the killer the whole time. And then somebody dressed up like her was the killer. So it kind of leaves you confused in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's confusing. (laughs) Yes, it is confusing. It's just, it's, it's just great because you're just like. This movie's fucking entertaining, and especially when you're just, like, up in that reveal. It's just like, wait, 
what's happening? Because <laughs> there's just like fucking turns at every corner. Yeah. Then. Yeah, that was wild. But that was a good synopsis, Matt. Yeah. I don't think I could have done that. <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate step by step analysis. It was it was pretty solid. I. I was like, okay, I understand it more now, I think. <laughs> I get I get the movie. Um, but now that we've talked about the ending... Oh, shoot. Um, that was the realistic ending. Or the, the realistic, I'm sorry. The real ending to the movie. As we mentioned, they didn't really have an ending in mind as they were filming it. One such ending that was revealed... And I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on it. Was that Virginia was the actual killer? It wasn't Anne. Mm. And what happened was we know that Virginia had this brain surgery, and the brain surgery was she had partial brain tissue from her mother in the accident to help her survive. The mother passed, but they used brain tissue from her mother, and then her mother's brain tissues possessed Virginia to off these uh, kids as revenge against them for missing her daughter's party. So it was Virginia's actual body, but it was her mother possessing her brain from the surgery. Wrap your head around that one. (laughs) I want to say, like, oh, that's not realistic, but, like, what in this movie, like, honestly is. So it's not, like, the worst twist I've ever heard of, but I think... Um, the one they went with was better. Mm-hmm. So I think that was overall a good call. Okay. Yeah, it keeps it more... Gra- like, <laughs> funny thing is is that the movie, the ending they chose with, keeps it more grounded. <laughs> <laughs> this keeps it grounded. <laughs> I mean, the fact that well, brain surgery for one point... I'm pretty sure they. I mean, I guess they can do it. I don't know if they. I don't know how that really works. To be honest, I'm not a surgeon, but I don't think you could take brain matter from another person and give it to another person. I don't think that's a thing. Probably not. Oh, fine. You, you and I your science wrong. people. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure you can do that. I'm not sure either. To be perfectly honest, but I don't know. I'm not we were doctor. all like com majors. We don't know anything about that stuff. None of us are brain surgeons here. Um, yeah. Okay, I agree. I just with want to know analysis for sure. I think I I I like this ending, but if if it would have had you know, and I agree, it would have been gra- it's more grounded this way. But I think if you do like the brain or like the brain tissue or her mother possessing Virginia, it it follows more the path of the slashers of like Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Streets, mm-hmm. Halloween's, where it's mm-hmm. like more supernatural, and the character seems more immortal when they have those kind of supernatural abilities. So it would fall more in line with those. But this stays more in line with like Black Christmas, which is another Canadian slasher we mentioned. Where it's more grounded in who the killer is. And it's more giallo, as you mentioned, Pete. It's got those elements to it. Especially with the, the whodunit thing. That's, like, what giallo is all about. It's just throwing, like, red herrings at you all day. Yeah. 
I think if we don't have anything, um, you guys have anything else more to add, we can go into Defend or Destroy of Happy Birthday to Me. <clears throat> this movie was my pack, um, and I don't know if you guys remember those VH1, like, greatest countdowns from, like, 2005, um, but I, like, saw Melissa Sue Anderson, like, it was, uh, like, VH1's, um, 100 Greatest Teen Stars, and I, like, would watch it every single time it was on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> Melissa Sue Anderson, I think, was one of them, and so they mentioned, like, this movie that she was in, Happy Birthday to Me, and I was, like, I, like, never forgot about it. So now, um, here we are, finally have watched it. Um, so that being said, <laughs> um, I, I defend this movie, kind of. Um, like, I think it's a good, bad movie. Um, I mean, I was genuinely entertained. Uh, it might be a little bit slow in some parts, but I think it works for the most part. Um, overall, I was not seeing, you know, as Pete said, like the five twists coming at all. Um, and uh, I think it's bloody and it's gory, but it's not too much. Um, so, I mean, call it a guilty pleasure, if you will, but I'm into it and I'll give it a defense. Nice. That's good. I, I'll follow that up with one. My Defend or Destroy with... My Defend or Destroy will begin with... I used to watch those VH1 things as well. Um, I used to watch, like, you know... Yes. Greatest, uh, you know, songs of the 90s as well was one of them. You know? Of course. Yeah. Or or you say worst as well? I said of, I said of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they would do the, all the <laughs> decades. And they even did, like, you know, I love the 90s. I love the 80s. All those things. So I watched this. Yes, you're speaking to my heart. Best week ever. Best week ever. Remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. I remember all of those. So I'm familiar, and I agree with a lot of things Lindsay said, especially, what was it you said? Uh, like a, a good B-movie or something, or something like that? A good, bad a movie. A good, bad movie, yeah. Um, that's a good way of putting it. I really, it goes out during that time frame of all the slashers trying to, you know, pile on top of each other with an anniversary. Um, it's no it, Halloween. There, were, it, it is confusing, but I did find myself enjoying watching it, um, especially some of those uh, the death scenes, like the shish kebab scene, which you didn't really mention. Um, was, oh, yeah. That was really startling because of who did it, and we saw the we kind of saw the person's face who did the killing, and it, it, that was a jarring scene. Uh, but yeah, I I'll, I'll defend Happy Birthday to me. Because I, I would recommend to watch it. It's 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 a fun movie. Because this one, you know, they have decent money. They were able to do, like, the car accident. They had a lot of, like, prosthetics and, like, good gore. Like, you know, they put some money into this movie. Mm-hmm. And I also defend it because it's fucking entertaining. Like, even though we ruined the ending, I feel like you would still very much enjoy this movie because it's... I would say even really fun to watch it by yourself or in a, with a group because you're just, like, having fun watching this crazy movie unfold because you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And then mm-hmm. that's just the appeal of the movie to me. It's just, like, it makes no sense, but it's entertaining, and then the twist happens, and you're like, what the fuck is really happening? <laughs> and you're like, that twist was insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree, yep. and... 
I would just say, how do I put this? It, it is like a good bad movie. It's cult following. People don't give it like the critical reception, but it is entertaining with friends to like watch it. And especially that end scene is is really uh, framed really well. It's like kind of eerie. Everybody at the table like that. And there's a mm-hmm. there's a difference between like most likely to die, which Pete you and I did earlier, which is like a slasher B movie. And this one, I feel like this one is more entertaining. Um, they really, it has a bigger budget, better production value. Um, and maybe that's because you have like uh, John Lee Thomas behind it, who did like Cape Fear. So there's some there's some value to it, even though it's kind of confusing. I think with that, it's a unanimous defend of a happy birthday to me. 1981 Canadian slasher. So get at us on Facebook, Twitter, our website. Let us know what you're thinking. If you have any ideas for full-length episodes, mini-episodes, we'll try to get blogs out to you as soon as possible. Uh, We're on iTunes, uh, anywhere you can listen to podcasts and SoundCloud. Subscribe to us would be great if you listen to us. Um, That helps us as well if you want to leave a review on iTunes. Um, That also helps. Um, Just Even if you think it's bad, leave a review because then we'll know. And that's great. But until next time, I'm Matt Johnson. Yeah, give us a ten out. Give us ten out of five. Yeah, give us a ten out of five. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But until next time, I'll be waiting for those subscriptions, and I will be in the shadows. Uh, I got nothing really. Cause the best I had was that uh, whatever the hell I did at the beginning of the episode, whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy line. <laughs> that's Creepy fair. Well, with that said, I'm Lindsay Clark, and pray you're not invited to this party.